Section 14 of Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Live Insurance Companies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Piotr Natter. Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Live Insurance Companies. An Authentic Record of Remarkable Cases. By John B. Lewis and Charles C. Bumble. Mysterious Disappearances. Part 4. A Savannah River Case. In the county of Scriven, state of Georgia, on the banks of the Savannah, dwelt Captain Martin L. Bryan, formerly of the 25th Regiment, Georgia, Confederate States of America, a well-to-do citizen of about 50 years of age, owner of 1,500 or 2,000 acres of land on the river bottoms, and whose house had been burned by the army that escorted Sherman on his celebrated march to the sea. The captain had lost much of his property during the late unpleasantness, and resolved to protect the interests of his family by obtaining live insurance. He went to Savannah, called on the insurance men, and obtained a $10,000 policy in the Knickerbocker Life of New York, $10,000 in the Accident of Columbus, $10,000 in the Casualty of New Jersey, $10,000 in the National Travelers of New York, and $40,000 in the Travelers of Hartford, $80,000 in all. Subsequently, to the intense grief of deploring friends and relatives, the captain was drowned in the river. But while they lamented his death, they commended his prudence, and in due time a huge bulk of documentary evidence of death, certified to with all official formalities, was forwarded to the companies. The so-called proofs of death cover no less than forty pages of closely written legal cap paper, wherein is set forth, with minuteness of detail, time, place, and circumstances of the captain's death by drowning, with repetitious asseverations of the high note and gentlemanly character of the deceased. These papers were prepared with great care by the captain's son, a law student, who did himself credit, in a certain way, by the lawyer-like, consistent, and conclusive manner in which the evidence was presented, leaving no reason, apparently, to doubt that the death occurred as stated. The first affidavit is that of Hansford R. Owens, who, being duly sworn, said that he was intimately acquainted with Captain Bryan, the deceased, and had known him familiarly for many years, living within a mile of him, that in the early part of the year 1867, deceased engaged the opponent to assist him in the survey of some of his swamplands lying in Savannah River marshes, and that on the 10th day of June of this year, deponent and said deceased together with curtis humphreys senior and joseph c bryan son of said deceased did proceed to survey said lands that after said survey was finished they caught cooked and ate a mess of fish after which deponent and deceased started to remove a bateau belonging to said deceased they proceeded to said bateau loosed it and started down the river in it getting pretty fast as said bateau was a new one and they were in a measure testing its speed that after going about a quarter of a mile said bateau struck a snag not directly with its bow but on the right side and about three feet below the bow so that the bateau was suddenly thrown right across the current of the stream that just as said bateau struck said snag it was elevated by it on the right side so that the opponent and deceased were both thrown across to the left side which caused said bateau to dip water considerably and before they could right themselves and regain their seats in the central part of said bateau their weight on the left side and the force of the current which was very strong and rapid 
the bateau being by this time right crosswise the current and presenting a broadside to it caused said bateau to be filled with water and almost immediately overturned by which deponent and the deceased were both precipitated into the water and submerged that as soon as deponent came to the surface he heard deceased say to him catch the boat and did not at the time think that deceased was alarmed but being rather a poor swimmer instead of trying to save the boat he began to swim for the bank thinking that deceased would either follow or would cling to the boat and accordingly did not look around till he had reached the bank when to his surprise and alarm he discovered that deceased was neither following him nor clinging to the bateau nor could be seen anywhere and the conviction at once settled upon the opponent that deceased had drowned and sunk for the river was open and at least one hundred and fifty yards wide and not a sign of life or motion in the water could be seen anywhere around the opponent crawled out on the root of a tree which had been blown down in the river against the top of which the bateau made a temporary halt and he walked out on the tree for the purpose of fastening the bateau but before he could reach it it had become loose and floated down the river the opponent also says that he was not more than half a minute in effecting his escape from the water and that deceased from the position he occupied in the boat being on the middle seat was thrown some ten or fifteen feet farther out in the stream than the opponent was so that it was impossible that the deceased could have reached the bank sooner than the opponent reached it and there was no place in the river for him to have concealed himself nor even under the bateau as that was too full of water when it overturned to leave air enough underneath for a man to have lived in therefore the opponent is confirmed in the conviction that first seized him and now feels and knows from all the circumstances that deceased could only have drowned and sunk before the opponent reached the bank the opponent further says that so soon as he recovered sufficiently from his fright and bewilderment to realize his condition and the state of affairs he began to cry for help and to halloo for the companions he had so lately left to wit the said curtis humphreys and joseph c bryan but that he found himself so badly hurt he could with great difficulty cry loud enough to be heard by them though not more than a quarter of a mile distant that failing to make them hear him he ran as fast as he could to them and at once communicated the nature of the accident which had happened and that himself and said joseph c bryan immediately ran back to the place of the accident and at once commenced a search down the river along the bank but they could neither see nor hear anything except the bateau which was found stopped about half a mile below the opponent further says that in all his acquaintance and dealings with said deceased which have been long and varied he has ever known the deceased to be an honest and upright man and dealer and a gentleman of high tone of character and integrity of purpose and that the community as well as his family have sustained a loss the opponent further says he knows deceased owned in said county if scriven between fifteen hundred and two thousand acres of good land several hundreds of which were improved and in a state of cultivation next follows the affidavit of joseph c bryan the eldest son of captain martin l bryan twenty-nine years of age this eldest son of his father proceeds to corroborate the statement of the preceding affiant and tells how they assisted the deceased to survey the land and then caught cooked and ate a mess of fish 
after which deceased and owens left them in the manner which has been related first enjoining the opponent in the meanwhile to catch bait for his uncle kurt meaning the said curtis humphreys who was still desirous of fishing but was too aged and unwieldy to procure bait some time after they had gone the opponent heard the feeble shouts of owen but was not alarmed by them as they did not sound to him like cries for help and therefore without heeding them he continued to catch bait until owens arrived in person with the startling intelligence that the bateau had capsized precipitating both himself and the deceased into the water and that deceased he felt certain was drowned while he had barely and with great difficulty escaped then this filial deponent under the wildness of his bewilderment started off without loss of time followed by owens who pointed out to him the spot of capsize and then followed a fruitless search along the river bank at the same time hallowing instantly so that if deceased were not dead he might hear them and bring them to his relief but no response from deceased was heard by the opponent and night being close at hand they abandoned their efforts and returned to their homes the next day the opponent assisted by neighbors and friends resumed the search and grappled and dragged and fished and felt for the body of said deceased but without recovering the body or finding any trace thereof the opponent then explained wherefore the body could not be found upon such a river bottom as the place where said accident happened the locality is thickly crammed and studded with large fallen trees so that the logs and brush form an almost impenetrable network and the neighbors and friends finally arrived at the conclusion that a body therein lodged could hardly rise unless by the motion and concussion of the river caused by the passage of a steamboat the opponent at great length proceeded to point out the conformity to rational principles which characterized these conclusions and then without mental reservation but knowing whereof he doth depose he further says nothing was seen of said body and no tidings had of it until the evening of the sixteenth of june when it was seen in the savannah river about eight or ten miles below the place of accident by a portion of the crew of the steamer swan on her down trip from augusta to savannah the next day after it was seen as aforesaid the opponent and his three brothers robert william and paul set out in quest of said body they going down the river till they came to the spot or place where said body had been seen the evening previous and looked and examined closely for it but that it was not there nor could they see it around there nor even find any trace or vestige of it whereupon the opponent proceeds to enlighten us why it could not be found again he explains why the concussion of the river caused by the passage of the steamboat must have loosed the body from its fastening and it had floated on down the river they continued to search and were rewarded only with disappointment finally they arrived at some further conclusions not another passing steamboat with its concussion of the river this time concluding that the body must either have been pecked open by the buzzards and again sunk or was devoured by an alligator or some other carnivorous inhabitant of the water and that in either case further search down the river would be fruitless the bateau was placed in the wagon and all parties started for home meeting with other parties the opponent was advised to make a still more extended and protracted search and he returned to make a closer inspection but finally fell back upon his strong point his conclusions which are summarized as follows 
all of which facts lead the opponent to the belief and confirm him in the conclusions before mentioned either that said body was pecked open by the buzzards and again sunk or it was devoured by an alligator of which there are multitudes in the river or by some other animal the opponent then goes on to relate how said deceased was not a good swimmer and was rather fearful of deep water and was usually very cautious and particular when out in the river in a bateau finally and in conclusion he does not know how to account for the mishap except that it was one of those unaccountable accidents which while they are under the superintendence of an all-wise providence seem still to be the result of chance in that they are without assignable cause controlled by no fixed or known laws or rules of conduct or action or sequence and are as likely to overtake the most prudent as the most reckless the aged uncle kurt meaning the said curtis humphreys was next brought forward as the deponent who could testify that he was intimately acquainted with captain bryan deceased and had known him since his infancy he then repeated the story of the survey of the swamplands which belonged to this deceased and of his partaking of a repast after which the venerable deponent wanted to go home but the deceased begged him to wait a short while until deceased and said owens could first go after the boat as has been related by the preceding witnesses after they had been gone a while this deponent heard the hallowing of owens but he was not disturbed thereby as he imagined they were hallowing at something they saw in the river perhaps a deer or an alligator with something it had caught uncle kurt is not prolix in his deposition but desires to put himself on record by saying that from everything that transpired under his own observation he was fully impressed with the conviction that said deceased was drowned the neighbors and friends of the deceased who grappled dragged fished and felt for the body of said deceased personally and individually entered their appearance and in their several depositions set forth at great length their knowledge of the misfortune which had that day befallen the aforesaid deceased a glowing tribute to the elevated moral character and the unswerving integrity of the aforesaid deceased appears upon the record of these depositions while in all his dealings and business deceased was plain open straightforward honest fair correct and exact never appearing to want that which was not rightfully his own and rather ready to yield a little than to demand too much or to contend about a trifle next come forward the three employees on board the steamer swan who relate what they know of the deceased aforesaid they testify that they were acquainted with the circumstances of the accidental drowning and one of them a person of color had been directed to keep a lookout for said body at a place about twelve miles by water below the place of accident the opponent had his attention directed to a dead body under the willows when he first looked at said body it was lying face downward he saw the back part of the head of it and he firmly believes it was a human head and the opponent believes from all the circumstances of the case that said body was the body of said deceased the said captain martin l bryan this colored deponent further says that said steamer was at the time going very rapidly so that only a very short time was allowed for beholding said body the attention of the second employee being directed to a dead body fastened in the river under a willow expressed his belief that it was a human body he further goes on to explain that as he had not heard of anyone else drowning in the savannah river 
nor had he since heard that any one else than the said captain martin elbrian was so drowned ergo the said body thus seen as aforesaid was the body of said deceased the said captain martin elbrian this logical deponent did not see said body till the waves of the boat had reached it and were moving it so that nothing about it could be distinctly defined by deponent he was able to define some buzzards nearby and was informed the buzzards were on the body pecking and devouring it when first seen but which the waves had frightened off before it was seen by deponent deponent further says that so impressed was he with conviction that said body was the body of said deceased that he immediately ran upon deck and tried to prevail upon the purser of said steamer to use his influence with the captain of said steamer to stop and take up said body but the purser said the ponent had as much influence with the captain as he the purser had whereupon the ponent at once proceeded to the captain who was also aware of the circumstances attending the death of said deceased and who also knew that the deceased's body had not then been found and informed him of the discovery which had just been made and tried to prevail upon him to stop being then but a short distance below and pick it up that the captain asked the deponent if he was certain and knew it was a human body and the body of said deceased to which the deponent replied that though he felt certain he did not positively and absolutely know it to be the body of said deceased that the captain then said as deponent was not absolutely certain he would not stop but proposed instead to give information at the next landing, and so that aforesaid deceased was left to the tender mercies of the buzzards, the alligators, or some other carnivorous inhabitant of the water. One other deponent was produced and sworn, and made known that on the 19th of June, three days subsequent to the discovery from the steamer, while he was on his way up the river, at a certain point he discovered a dead body in the river, which he is convinced and knows was a human body but being alone and feeling a timidity and hesitancy in approaching a dead body alone without company he did not then go up to it this timid deponent further says that buzzards were sitting near and devouring said body which seemed to be much swollen and was floating high in the water being familiar with the circumstances of the drowning of the aforesaid deceased and knowing that the body had not yet been recovered, this timid and hesitating deponent obtained within him the impression at once that the said body thus seen as aforesaid was the body of said deceased. To the underwriters receiving these preliminary proofs of death, they presented the appearance of a studied effort on the part of the person submitting them to explain away suspicion and present a plausible view of his case. It required but the superficial glance of an experienced eye to observe something wrong. Just prior to his mysterious disappearance, Captain Bryan had made his last will and testament, and had named his son, Robert B., the law student, as executor thereof. The busy and tireless hand of the embryo lawyer appeared early in advocacy of the claims arising under the several policies. He addressed by letter the local agents of the several companies as follows. Savannah, Georgia, June 27, 1867. Dear Sir, as executor of the will of my father, Martin L. Bryan, it becomes my sad duty to announce to you the intelligence of his death, which occurred by drowning near his plantation in Scriven County on Savannah River on the 10th instant. The circumstances of the accident are these, as I have learned them. 
Mr. Owens, a near neighbor, and my father, after a day of fishing, were removing their boat from one point in the river to another, when the boat was capsized by running on a snag. Mr. Owens, with much difficulty, and in a badly hurt condition, succeeded in getting out. But Pa, alas, was not so fortunate. And what is still more distressing, we have never been able to recover the body. We have made every effort to recover it, but without success. It was seen by the crew of a steamboat on Sunday afternoon, about nine miles below the place of accident. But through want of a small boat, the captain said he could not take it up. I should have informed you sooner, but have been by rain and other causes unavoidably detained away from the city much longer than I anticipated when first I heard of the accident. I desire you to communicate with the insurance company in which my father's life was insured, and let me know their decision. I am aware that the facts of the case will have to be submitted by affidavit, and I will proceed to submit them after hearing from you. The proof, I think, will be satisfactory. Very respectfully, R. B. Bryan. An agent of one of the companies wrote to R. B. Bryan for additional information relative to the amount of insurance, and received the following in reply. Savannah, Georgia, August 28, 1867. Dear Sir, in compliance with request, I transmit you the names of the companies in which my father's life was insured, and the amounts in each. Travelers of Hartford, $40,000. Knickerbocker Life, $10,000. United States Casualty, $10,000. Accident of Columbus, $10,000. National Travelers of New York, $10,000. You will naturally ask the question, why did he take so much accident insurance and so little life? a question which I am not able fully to answer. But in partial answer, I would first say that Pa, though by no means wealthy, was, previous to his being stripped by the war, independently well off in the world, and after the fortunes of war had swept off most of his means, to a mind like his, the idea of leaving his family nothing at his death, was almost intolerable, and thus he sought insurance. He was almost wholly ignorant of the nature and character of it, as you will recollect on the day he first entered your office, finding that accident insurance was much cheaper than life insurance, and believing that it would be some time ere the course of events would take him off, being a man of strong and hearty constitution, he contented himself, for the time being, with $10,000 of life insurance, but took accident insurance to the amount of 40000 being at that time unacquainted with the matter of compensation, he took only 10,000 with compensation. Finding afterwards that compensation was just what he wanted, he himself and family were, in a great measure, dependent upon his own individual exertions, and that, should those exertions through any cause cease, they would become dependent upon others, an idea or a possibility that was always galling to him. He petitioned in all subsequent insurance for compensation. In fact, compensation was the prime cause of his seeking individual insurance. I am, very respectfully, R. B. Bryan. Again writing at the agent while endeavoring to appease the spectre suspicion. He had not been called upon to explain the motives of his father in obtaining the insurance. Upon investigation, it was soon ascertained that the proofs which Mr. R. B. Bryan thought would be satisfactory were the product of an ingenious though inexperienced hand at manipulating evidence. Nor did the moral character or the domestic relations of the deceased aforesaid appear creditably in the light of further inquiry. 
It will be noticed that there had been but one eyewitness to the accident, and he was found to be a worthless, drunken pauper. He was sober at times, but only when unable to get the wherewith to buy whiskey. After the drowning, he went at once to a store where he purchased two quarts of whiskey, being able to pay for it, a fact which was too unusual to escape observation and comment. He had a glorious drunk that afternoon, and the next day he received from Savannah two gallons more of whiskey, which some good friend had sent him. From the time of its receipt until the last drop was consumed, he was too happy to trouble himself about the deceased, and naturally he was excused from being a party to the search for the body. At that time, too, he had in his household a woman who had gone there with her illegitimate child, then about two years of age, the paternity of which she had laid at the door of the deceased aforesaid, and on account of which domestic irregularity, it was rumoured that the lawful wife of the deceased threatened to leave his bed and board. Notwithstanding this, the general character of the captain as a businessman stood favourably with the community. After a while, as the investigation proceeded, it became evident that the executor of his father's last will and testament began to be more and more apprehensive. The spectre was continually presenting itself to be explained away until it could be no longer endured. Then, after lying some six months among the snags, pegged by buzzards, devoured by alligators, and other carnivorous animals, the deceased, through earnest entreaties and united appeals, was induced to return to the bosom of his family. A rumor of the wanderer's return reaching the Savannah agent, he wrote and mailed a letter addressed as follows. Savannah, Georgia, January 21, 1868. Mr. R. B. Bryan. Dear Sir, I learn by rumor that your father, M. L. Bryan, has returned to his home in Scriven County. Is it correct? I ask this as agent of the insurance company, and in view of the fact that proofs of loss have been handed into this office by you. Please give this matter your attention and oblige. Which letter elicited the following reply? Savannah, Georgia, January 21, 1868. Dear Sir, yours of present date is received. In reply, I am glad to be able to inform you that my father is again at home, where I trust he will be allowed to remain in peace and safety. I make no comment for the present upon his absence or return, further than to say that the latter was induced only by the earnest entreaties and united appeals of his family, but for which he might still be an exile from home. I hope such entreaties and appeals may not be rewarded with another forced separation. I have not seen him, but my information is positive and not to be doubted. Any information I can impart, consistent with the present uncertain state of affairs in relation to this matter, I am ready to give. I am, very respectfully, R. B. Bryan. It thus appears the deceased aforesaid was induced to return home only by the earnest entreaties and united appeals of his family, which would seem to indicate that his family, including the executor of his father's will, and who made up the proofs of death, knew of deceased's whereabouts and held communication with him in spite of the buzzards and alligators and mark the hint at another forced separation the emphasis is his own was the first separation forced does the sensitive conscience of the legal-minded son suggest that such an attempt at wholesale robbing of insurance companies deserved a forced separation for a term of years in some state institution 
Prior to the foregoing correspondence, information of the exile's return had reached the home office of the Travellers Insurance Company through the following telegram and correspondence. Savannah, Georgia, January 13, 1868. Rodney Dennis, Esquire, Secretary Travellers Insurance Company. Martin L. Bryan is at home, alive and well. You did not pay soon enough. In due course of mail came the following letter. Savannah, Georgia, January 14, 1868. Rodney Dennis, Esquire, Secretary Travellers Insurance Company. Dear Sir, I telegraphed you that Brian was alive and well at home. You know Ponce de Leon found the waters of perpetual youth in Florida, and it is reported that Captain Brian has been in Florida. Now he either floated through the rivers, sounds, and bays to that spring and came to life, after being seven months dead, or else he has been permitted to come back and find out why the $80,000 insurance on his life was not paid. If you had only paid up sooner, his unquiet spirit might have rested peacefully in its watery bed. It is either a warning to insurance companies to be more prompt in payment of losses, and not oblige a man to come back and collect the insurance on his own life, or else it proves that to secure the return of departed ones, they must be drowned in Savannah River and go to Florida. End of section 14